0: Reverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill, only on L.A. Talk Radio.
0: Happy Monday, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill. We're very excited to have you join us on this Monday. In case you haven't noticed, the theme of the month of January has been reinvention and looking at your life. Last week, we talked to James Clift, uh, the CEO of Visual CV, about how to market yourself in today's market. Before that, we had talked to Debbie Gion, who's a spiritual teacher, about how to set yourself right mentally to prepare yourself for the new year. And today, I have with me Brian Darling. Brian Darling has been a celebrity business manager and money expert. Since 1988 His specialty areas of expertise Are complete and accurate financial organization And daily cash management For high net worth clients, actors, directors Agents, writers, producers producers, Other entertainment entities Professional athletes News anchors, media professionals And family offices He acts as, I love this part, your financial quarterback And puts all the pieces together Always focusing on your specific Individual needs He assists clients to ensure a smooth and efficient Daily financial operations. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian.
1: Hi, Jennifer. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's so great. I love this subject because I remember the first time you and I spoke about this idea for the show. I think it was about six months ago. And we were talking about managing the business of your life and how many people get to the retirement age. And they still have to work well past retirement because they haven't managed the business of their life. And I know I'm one of those people. You know, sometimes you'll be spending money frivolously on shoes or purses or things you don't need, and you don't think about the long-term future. So, Brian, tell our listeners a little bit about it. How did you get into this field?
1: Well, um, I started my career actually working in the banking, the retail banking industry, Um Many years ago, they had uh, these little things called savings and loans, which don't really exist <laughs> anymore. But uh, that's kind of where I came from was the, the neighborhood banking, you know, direct uh, communication with the clients. I mean, everybody used to come in on Friday and cash their paycheck. I mean, this was decades ago. So um, that's sort of how I fell into business management. I kind of worked my way up the ranks uh, at the bank, and one of my jobs was to bring in new deposits. So I opened up the Yellow Pages, which also (laughs) no longer exists, and I called every accounting firm uh, in the area where my bank was, and um, I landed myself an entry-level bookkeeping job. Wow. And that's how I got into uh, business management.
0: That's so many, interesting. Many, many years ago, yeah. And so how did you eventually then transition from working in the banking world to kind of running your own thing and doing bookkeeping and working with celebrities? How did that all come about? Well, I mean,
1: all my life I've been a numbers guy. I'm very linear. I'm very black and white. Um and i'm originally from milwaukee wisconsin so you know there's not much socially going on
0: <laughs> <laughs> not much of a nightlife there compared no, to la <laughs> well,
1: you know there's just not much going on so you know i uh, obviously people that don't live in hollywood are fascinated with the entertainment industry so you know i knew when i was a young boy i wanted to somehow be involved in the entertainment business but i was this numbers guy i mean i'm not an actor or anything like that. So um, the business management world was a really good fit for me because they do bookkeeping and accounting work for celebrities and entertainment people. So it it really was a good fit.
0: Yeah. And what I think is interesting that our listeners should understand is that... You don't have to be a high net worth individual or a celebrity for that matter to take on managing the business of your life, which is why I really wanted to bring Brian onto the show today is I even looked at some of the feedback that Brian gave me in our initial conversation and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Wow. There are things that I could definitely be doing to be preparing for the future. And yet I feel because I say a lot of the time I don't like to be, you know, put in with the millennials, I am a millennial and immediate gratification is definitely something I see a lot of in my generation and especially the folks who are younger coming up. It's about give me pleasure now and let me be happy now as opposed to worrying about two years or five years or, God forbid, 10 or 20 years down the road. So how can people, looking forward in 2017 and beyond, begin to manage the business of their lives?
1: Well, the first thing that I tell people is, just start at the beginning. There's four things that everyone has to know at all times. Okay. It's how much you make. Okay. How much you spend, how much you have coming in, (laughs) how much you have going out, right? Okay. And the other two things that you need to know is how much you have in your savings account.
0: Or if you have a savings account. Or if you have a savings <laughs>
1: account. And how much you owe. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a car loan? Uh, utilities? You know, a cell phone? There's all different kinds of things that you, you always have to know on any given day where you are in those four places.
0: I remember a financial person once telling me years ago, I think I went to some financial workshop and, oh, we have a caller coming in. I'm not sure. We don't normally take callers on the show, but we'll see. Thank you so much for calling in. Who is this, please? Oh, this is Kat. Rock. Oh, hi, Kat. Thanks so much for calling the show. Did you have a question for Brian or myself? Oh, no, uh, not, uh, uh. No questions? Huh? Did you have a question for Brian or myself? Uh No, I just wanted to say hi Oh, thank you so much for calling in We always appreciate all of our listeners Where are you calling in from? Uh, New York Oh, New York, awesome I'll be out there for a speaking engagement actually in April And I may do a radio show while I'm out there So thank you so much for calling in Please call in anytime And if you ever have any questions at any point in the show You're welcome to call 323 And myself or any of our guests are always happy to answer questions So thanks so much for calling in And I hope you're warm out there in New York Thank you, and I hope you uh, enjoy your stay when you come to New York. Okay, thanks so much. I always love it out there. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. It's always fun. You gotta- well, that was an easy one. <laughs> I know, nothing too complicated, <laughs> how to solve world problems, <laughs> nothing like that. But anyway, so back to what we were just talking about, um, it's an interesting thing of looking at how much you make versus what you're saving. And what I was saying was somebody once told me you should have a spreadsheet on your desktop that shows, I think it's your assets and your net worth. And I used to track that meticulously. But having this conversation with you, I just realized that kind of fell off my radar. And it is something that if you focus on it, it gives you a better understanding of where you're at and where you should be putting your time and attention.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, everybody knows this. You know you have bills to pay every day. You get up and go to work and and all these things. And it's rather shocking to me that a lot of people don't know these things. And this is just basic, you know, bill-paying 101 type stuff. Um, But it's also very important not to set yourself up for failure. You know, January 1st comes around, and, you know, everybody's like, uh, one of the more common things that people say is, I want to lose weight, right? Of
0: course. We're going to be talking about that next week. One of my friends, Pam Jackson, lost over 100 pounds, and that's the story we're going to be addressing.
1: So everybody on January 1st, they all go and they join the health club. Of course. <laughs> so they get into some long-term contract where they automatically take the money out of your account every month, you know, and it seems like, oh, 20 or $30 a month, no big deal. So you go three or four times in January, you go a couple times in February, maybe in March, and then you never go again, but that money is still coming out of your account every month. So don't set yourself up to fail. You know, I I have to buy all this software and I have to get a spreadsheet and all this stuff. It doesn't have to be complicated. difficult. Complicated, yeah. Um, you know... A, a, a really easy exercise that anyone can do is just get a you know a, a three ring folder you know a notebook.
0: Yeah, you can get those for at the dollar store. Do people actually cents. use
1: paper anymore? Just you know get <laughs> a notebook. Some people
0: do, or use your iPhone or a tablet or whatever you might have. Yeah,
1: or your notes or whatever. And every morning, everything you write, everything you spend during that day.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Write it down. I don't know if I could do that.
1: (laughs) Starbucks. You know, if you're going out for lunch, get your nails done, dry cleaning, whatever your daily things are, just at the end of every day, just jot it down. I spent $20 today. I spent $50 today or whatever. And then after a week, add it up. Hmm. I've spent $500 this week. And then you can really kind of look at your salary, you know, whatever your salary is and say, well... You know, I take home $600 a week and I'm spending $500 a week. So, you know, that seems kind of like a good balance. But what if you're spending $1,000 a week and you're only pulling in 500
0: Which a lot of people do do.
1: Oh, well, I'll just put it on my credit card. If you cannot afford to pay your credit card bill in full every single month when that bill comes, you can't afford it. Whatever it is.
0: The Louis Vuitton shoes, not a good idea.
1: (laughs) Right. The Louis Vuitton shoes are not a good idea.
0: I know, I'm kidding. But I hear what you're saying. It's so important because I remember when I had a career counseling company back before I opened J Hill Staffing Services, I would uh, often meet the people I was coaching at Starbucks and I would have these job seekers who were completely unemployed. This was back in 2009 and 10 when people didn't have a dime to their names. And it would boggle my mind that they could barely put together enough money to pay me some measly amount like $50 an hour, whatever I was charging for coaching. And yet, They would spend $30 at Starbucks while we're sitting there on two frappuccinos and a muffin for $7 and whatever it is, and yet they were complaining to me that they were bankrupt. And so it's interesting. I think Starbucks being a good example of that is. Uh, I remember I used to look at how much I would spend. I would go to Starbucks every day and get at least one or more chai soy lattes. And when you added that up at the end of a week at five dollars a pop, easily you're looking at twenty-five to thirty-five dollars.
1: That's thousand dollars a year, right there.
0: Ooh, that hurts when you say. Just that. found Starbucks.
1: <laughs> um, another thing is smoking. You know, um, if you're if you're into these New Year's resolutions, I want to quit smoking you smoke a pack a day that's another two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a year that you'll have in your pocket wow so cut your starbucks drink your coffee at home buy one of those machines get those little pods or something it's maybe 50 55 cents a cup you can still have your starbucks they've got all the different brands and things you get a nice travel mug you make your coffee at home
0: That's what I started doing is I love, I get the individual coffee packets from Starbucks and I have my one cup of coffee every day and it costs me probably half the cost of going there. And that's all money that you can put towards something else is so often I talk to job seekers out there and they either tell me one of the big reasons people leave jobs is because they don't make enough money. It's a huge complaint, probably 50% or more of people I speak with. That's a main motivator. And I think if people left a job they liked for more money somewhere else at a job they don't like, if they could just learn to do what you're saying and to manage the business of their life better, they wouldn't have to leave a job that they love for a measly dollar an hour or whatever it might be increase because they could move that money around in other ways.
1: Well, it's really just, you know, work it into whatever your daily routine is. Bookkeeping is something that everyone has to do, every, and if you do it every day, just work it into your schedule. When you, uh, you know, when I get home uh, from the day, I empty out my pockets. I take all my receipts out of my pockets, and you know, I do my little exercise every day too. How, you know, how much did I spend today? How much do I need to spend? Is my, um, you know, is my rent or mortgage coming due on the? You know, in two weeks, I have a mortgage payment to make.
0: Yeah, it surprised me the other day I was on the phone with somebody uh, who had just gotten a new job, actually. And she was saying one of her favorite charities to donate to, I believe it's, it's called FeedingAmerica.org. And I was blown away. She said that a good percentage of working people, working Americans, can't afford to eat. And that broke my heart in half when I heard that is... Hey, how do you get there? I know there's a the whole conversation about minimum wage and people not being paid enough, which I know in some states they're working on fixing that, but in what world do we live in where there are people who are on the verge of starvation who are working full-time jobs or sometimes even two jobs? So what would your advice be to those people? What if you are? What if you're one of those people who's making minimum wage, $10 an hour, and you can barely eat or put food on the table for yourself or your family? What would you tell those individuals to do?
1: Well, you really, again, you really have to keep that balance, no matter what your financial level is, or how much money that you have in the bank. So you really just have to look into your daily habits. And just write it down in a in a notebook.
0: And look at, I think there was something great you told me when we first engaged in this conversation and you said it's the need versus want thing. <laughs> I thought of you. I was shopping online the other day. I was oh, like, <laughs> need versus want.
1: That's another little exercise that's, that's really helpful. Um, there are people out there, I mean, it's very easy to shop these days. You don't even have to get up out of your easy chair.
0: It's so scary with Amazon. You can accidentally, oops, I just bought something. <laughs> you can whip out that
1: iPad and do some serious damage, but Ask yourself this question. I mean, grocery, even, you know, even groceries and, and things like that. When you're out and you really want something, ask yourself this question. Is this a want or is this a need? If you're at the grocery store and your refrigerator is empty, well, that's a need. You need to eat. You need to put gas in your car. Yes. Um, most people at some point in their life will need medical care. So you have to make sure that you've, Got something set aside for that. Um, but again, I, I don't want people to make it more difficult than it really is. It, it's, it's not that difficult. And, but you know, for busy professionals, millennials, you know, if you're working every day or maybe you have two jobs or working and go to school, some people just don't have you know, I don't have time to do this. Well, that's where a good bookkeeper or business manager would would come into the picture. There's a lot of people out there, uh, most bookkeepers and, well... Should we should we tell the explain the difference between a, a business manager and a financial advisor and all that? Should we yeah, I should think we it would do be that helpful at this for point?
0: our listeners to understand that because uh, you know people are calling in or listening in from all over the world and there could be a totally different context. A lot of people, I think, have business managers, bookkeepers, and financial advisors collapsed, and they each have a different role in your life and in your long term planning. So, if you wouldn't mind, it would be helpful to share that maybe with our listeners.
1: Well, I think probably the biggest or one of the, the most th- th- confusing things that, that people deal with is uh, the difference between a business manager and a financial advisor. A business manager is, mechanically speaking, they are bookkeepers. And what a bookkeeper does is they accurately record your daily financial transactions They may or may not pay your bills for you. Um, They reconcile your bank accounts. If you're buying a home or a car or a major purchase, they may assist with um, getting the proper paperwork together, bank statements, tax returns, things like that. And then, of course, everybody has to do their taxes every year. Now, some business managers are also CPAs, which is a Certified Public Accountant. Those are the people that actually prepare your tax returns, and they are qualified to give you, a CPA is qualified to give you tax advice. They are licensed. Um, Actually, it's a pretty difficult licensing process. Um, So the bookkeepers handle all the daily stuff, and they put together what's called a financial statement, which consists of four parts well two parts a balance sheet which shows what you have and what you owe and a profit and loss statement what you earn and what you spend so if you do all this on a monthly basis you've got the information that you need to really live your life financially speaking now I'm not a CPA so I'm not qualified to give tax, or really even financial advice. Now we have what's called a financial advisor. Financial advisors sell financial products. And that's very important. Your CPA is not going to sell you any products. Hopefully not.
0: Watch out for (laughs) making sure people are what they say they are. If
1: you're going to to a CPA and they're trying to sell you a physical product, I would think twice about that. Run for the door. (laughs) Run for the door. Um, A financial advisor, what they do, and that's they also have to be licensed uh, in order to to do that. They will sell you um, loaded mutual funds, which may have an upfront commission charge. Um, They sell annuities. A lot of insurance agents represent themselves as financial advisors and they will try to sell you an annuity or an insurance product. But it's very important for people to realize that these are products. These people are in business to make money for themselves. So the more products that they sell to you, the more commissions they earn. And I'm not sure in certain cases if it's always really the right thing to do for the client. They the Financial advisors are, are motivated. Their, their motivation is different. CPAs, bookkeepers, business managers, we provide a service.
0: Got it. That's very helpful because I think a lot of people get confused or are afraid to even go out and ask for the help of a bookkeeper, a CPA, or a financial advisor. Because let's be honest, people are afraid of looking stupid and about, uh, oh, what if I get taken advantage of or if they go to the wrong sort of individual? I think the best way to ever find that sort of an individual is to get a referral. That's where, like, the best people I've ever worked with, you know, when I hired my first bookkeeper a few years ago, I'd always had a CPA I worked with and a financial advisor but I never had anybody balancing my books. I attempted to do that for the first probably three years of my business myself, and it was a debacle because I have Mm -hmm. no background, and I was trying to teach myself QuickBooks. And shout out to Kathy, who's been helping me, and I know you do this as well. It's such a relief if you're in a position where it's a time versus money thing. What you have to look into is what are you good at? And if you have the resources, say you're somebody who makes sixty a hundred thousand dollars or more a year and you have the extra resources, ask yourself, is this something I would enjoy doing myself? Is this something that I could excel at? And if it is, great, take it on yourself. But in my case, because it didn't bring me joy and happiness and fulfillment. The higher up you get in your career, the more it's your job to delegate, which is likely probably why people who are celebrities, high net worth individuals are going to be more likely to use a business manager than somebody who is not. But it's not to say you still can't get the help you need. There's affordable services out there everywhere. Like in Brian's case, he does typically deal with more high net worth individuals, but you can find bookkeepers out there at all levels. So if you don't feel equipped to be successful on your own, it's important to have people who are smarter than you are in areas that you don't understand advising you on things. You know, I wouldn't know where to invest my stocks. Thank goodness my husband and our financial advisor are much more interested in that. And it's about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, just like you would in any job. Right.
1: Now, I'm, I'm not going to sell you any stocks.
0: Yeah. I, I, don't,
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know what stocks would be best for you. That's not, my, that's not my thing.
0: But I bet you could refer to some good people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What I would do is I would basically be your financial quarterback. And I'm sitting on your side of the table most bookkeepers business managers will charge um on an hourly basis so they'll they'll attach some hourly rate it's usually somewhere between 80 and 140 dollars an hour let's say somewhere in that range i mean you can find people that will you know that will you know work a lot cheaper but again um you know ask for referrals ask um ask questions ask a lot of questions
0: yeah it doesn't hurt because here's the thing that I want our listeners to understand and the reason we have Brian on the show today I want our listeners to be empowered, to be successful, so that way whenever you decide and you get to choose when to retire, it's not a reactive thing, it's a proactive thing. So many of us spend our whole lives and we work and we toil and we work hard and then you get to the end of the road and there was a woman actually who I saw last week and we bumped into each other at an event and she had worked her butt off her entire career and she just got offered an early retirement package. Now, some people out there in the world would say, yay, That's the best thing ever. That's amazing. I get to retire early. In her case, because she didn't prepare and because of whatever choices she made, maybe she spent more money on Starbucks or whatever it might have been, it's not a judgment thing. It's just a what-so thing. If she now is looking, even though she just had an early retirement, forced early retirement, she's now going to probably have to work the next 10 years to make up for the choices that she made over the last 40 years of her career working. And so I think it all comes back to making empowered choices and living your life proactively rather than reactively because it's not just about the job you have now, it's about long-term planning. And I just caution our listeners, this is the thing that makes me most sad is when I hear people move for money. People move all the time for the smallest amounts of money. And again, at the end of the day, say you leave one job for $65,000 a year for another job for $70,000 a year. You know, that might be a dollar an hour, dollar fifty, two dollar an hour difference. At the end of the day, with taxes and everything else, people don't actually consider the ramifications of their actions. And so, just in the same way that Brian's job as a bookkeeper is to help people balance the books of their lives and manage the business of their lives, it's my job to have integrity as a recruiter and to coach people so that when somebody calls me and says, Hey, Jennifer, you were referred to me and I'm looking to leave for more money. It's my job to talk them out of it. It's, it's, I don't have to. It's an opportunity I have because a lot of recruiters out there will be like, oh, great, you're a good candidate. I'll just pull you into this next job. But it's unethical because we know having done this for 14, 15 years, at the end of the day, that $1 an hour, you can move money in other places, especially if you love the job that you have. If you ask yourself... Um, Do you like your job? Do you like the people you're working with? Do you like the company? And do you like your boss? And the answer to all of those questions is yes. Under no circumstances should you move. Hire somebody like Brian. Work with somebody so that you can manage the business of your life and stay in a job that you love and find a way to be more empowered with the way that you're spending your money.
1: I think that's really good advice. I, I agree with that 100%. Especially in the current climate. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or, you know. uh, I don't know if if thousands of jobs are going to be pouring into California next week.
0: Yeah, you never know. That's the thing is I think that... People put their hope, and that's the reason the name of my book is Stop Hoping, Start Hunting. Uh, Job hunting and having a career is not a passive thing. It is an active thing, and when you use words like hope, try, I might, I could, whatever it is you're saying, that's passive. That's passive language. That's a passive perspective, and I'm not knocking any of you out there. If you're the sort of person who goes around saying, I'm trying, it's hard, I might, I could, it's not that you're a bad person. I just encourage you to take a step back and looking at this first month of, you know, 2017, listen to the advice that Brian is giving you. That Debbie started the month with that, you know, James last week was talking about and ask yourself, how can I live this year differently? How can I live this year proactively and manage my life so that life isn't happening to me? Because I'm sure you hear this, Brian, and I'm sure you've heard it from your clients. Oh, it's not fair. My bills are so expensive and they're just overwhelming and I can't pay my credit cards. And I was there myself. In fact, I was just talking to my family about this this week. When I was a kid, somebody gave me an I think a $20,000 limit credit card. I was 18 years old. And to me, I thought it was monopoly money. I'm 18. I have no context. I've never in my life heard of a financial planner, a business manager, a bookkeeper. So like any good 18-year-old, I took all my friends out for four-star meals, bought the best wine that money could buy. And then, you know, when 20 rolls around and I paid, you know, the minimum of my credit card, and then that money's due. It wasn't I thought it was monopoly money. Right. And I went to my parents for a loan and I said, "Mom, dad, you know, can you lend me $10,000? I'll pay it back." And the best thing that ever happened to me in my life is my parents said, "No. You got yourself into this mess, you will get yourself out of it." And so at the age of 20, I got a chance to really learn about money management and financial management and getting myself out of crushing debt when you're a college student. But at the same time, it taught me how to be responsible and how Mm -hmm. to look at things. Just like I looked at when I was spending $5 a day at Starbucks or little things here or there, it does does add up. And when you're responsible for your financial state – Nobody's doing anything to you. It's not happening to you. It's a choice that you're making that you're either conscious of or, like Brian's saying of, that you might be unconscious of. And it's only by bringing your awareness and your attention to what it is you're doing that might be impacting you in a detrimental way that you can begin to gain your power back.
1: Well, I think a lot of people are actually embarrassed. Um, Quite frequently I get calls from people when they get to the point where they just can't do it anymore. They might be so far underwater, Aww. you know, that they're starting to, you know, have some problems. And they come to me and, you know, some people try to uh, sort of shift the blame onto me. I'm not the am <laughs> not the one who's, you know, swiping the credit cards. But I can tell you in a objective and non-judgmental way I can show you where your money is going,
0: <laughs> and that hurts sometimes to see it.
1: And you know, I don't, I don't have any judgment on anybody. It's it's your money; you can spend it however you want.
0: Those one eight hundred numbers—it's your call, literally. <laughs> so you
1: know, you really need to ask yourself these basic questions. You know, what do I want to do with my life? Um, if you want to work until the day you die, well, that's a choice that you know, that that people can make for themselves. I, I happen to be a saver. So, you know, if somebody gives me a gift, a Christmas gift, $100 or something like that, I might take 50 of it and put it in my savings account. That's and a- I may take the other 50 and, you know, go out to dinner or, you know, spend it on something nice for myself. So then I've saved... I've been the beneficiary of that gift that somebody wanted to give to me that didn't know what to get me, so they just gave me money. So, I've, you know, it's not difficult. That's really what I want to impress upon people. It's, a, it's just really numbers moving around on a page. Now, that's very daunting to many people, especially in the entertainment industry. And these are creative people.
0: These are <laughs> not like wonky,
1: you know, linear numbers people. So that's really kind of where the business management industry was born in the in the entertainment industry back in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, celebrities started hiring dedicated business managers to handle all of the residual checks that come in. Um, you know, if you're out, on a good series that's, you know, been five years, you could get hundreds of residual checks. Now, do you want to organize all that stuff yourself? Fine, have at it. But if you're not willing or able to do that, I contend, you know, how many people every year around this time of the year, they get out their big shopping bag, they dump all their receipts in there, and you take it down to your accountant once a year.
0: I just did that. Am I a bad person? (laughs) Very, very
1: common. Well, you're not a bad person, but your accountant has to go through all that stuff.
0: Well, I take it back. I give it to my bookkeeper who then reconciles it and gives it to my accountant.
1: (laughs) Okay, but you do it once a year?
0: No, no, no. Every month. But I I do throw them all in a bag. (laughs) Well, you know, some people do it
1: monthly, quarterly, once a year. Yeah. You're going to—I mean, it's a service that you're going to have to pay for, and you just factor it into your— Budget. —daily budget. And if there's not enough money for that, then you look at the other things you're spending on, and you reduce something else. It's all—it's it's a constant state of adjustment,
0: I think what's really interesting about living in the United States and having traveled abroad, what broke my heart is so we're working on building our first school using a portion of my company's proceeds later this year in Senegal. And the first place I was looking at building a school was in Cambodia. So I went there a few years ago to visit a school that my friend had built. And Brian, it, oh, I, I can't even tell you, these people in Cambodia were the friendliest, happiest people you've ever met. And they live, if you live on one US dollar a day there, you're rich. You're rich. And when I found that out, I'm going through in my mind of the millions of $1 that I spend, you know, know, in a day you might spend $101 and not be satisfied with what you have. And my brother-in-law, who's actually from South Africa, which if those of you aren't familiar with South Africa, it's an extremely impoverished area. And what he was just telling me the other day, we were sitting at my grandma's table and he said, Jenny, you know, the hard thing is about coming from Africa to here." Is you're given everything, you're given medical, you're given this. Everything is free. Everything is handed to you, and yet so we want more, 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 more. And he said in Africa, you didn't even know if you got food to eat, let alone if you were gonna if your town or the house next to you was going to be bombed because of civil war. Right. And so you don't take anything for granted. And he said the thing he's noticed in the last few years since living in America is that you start to lose that gratitude and appreciation for a dollar. And I think what you're bringing it back to is just bringing the awareness back to the value of a dollar. Whether it's a dollar you're being paid, whether it's a dollar you're paying somebody, it's about understanding the value of yourself and the value of the dollars that you're spending. When I talk to job seekers and sometimes they'll tell me, oh, I don't know how much I'm making. I just about fall out of my chair because like you said, the very first thing you said, it starts by knowing how much you make. You, need to, you can't do anything else unless you know what your incoming, what your AR is.
1: Right. Now, I'm not a parent, but uh, I have a little suggestion for some parents out there. When you're talking about the birds and the bees, <laughs> you know, put a little financial stuff in there also. You know, teach your kids how to write
0: a check, how to balance a checkbook. Um, do people still use checkbooks and balance them? I do. Okay, I'm just curious because I do everything online. So I was just wondering if that is something. Do you even still get the checkbooks with your checks? <laughs> well, I
1: you know, I, I may make my payments online. I might not actually be writing the check, but I'm still recording that transaction in my daily ledger.
0: Which probably is why your taxes are immaculate.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I pay taxes just like everybody else does. Um, and that's another thing. Try not to compare yourself to your neighbor
0: oh so smart yeah um
1: you know especially in los angeles and a a a capitalist you know environment everything you see on tv radio media movies they put products in there they want it's all designed to get the money out of your pocket and into their pocket basically so i mean it, it you could you could almost look at it as a, a daily battle, you know. These clothing designers and you know all these they want to get that money out of your pocket. That's all they want. And I've had clients; they go down to uh, you know some luxury store in Beverly Hills, and they'll they'll buy a white T-shirt. <laughs> No kidding. White t shirt and they'll pay $150 for it if it's got some, you know, designer label or... in it. Now again, if you choose to spend $150 on a white t shirt, that's fine. It's your money, you can do whatever you want with it. I choose to go to Target and you know get a three pack of something for $9.99. It's the exact same product, probably. And you know, I choose to save the rest of it.
0: Well, it's all about looking good. And it's not just, I think... It is more prevalent, particularly in Los Angeles, even in Southern California. I just moved down to Orange County, and I was shocked when my Uber driver was telling me, I thought, here I am in my new place down in South Orange County, and everybody, the neighbors are bringing over cookies and so friendly. And I thought, oh, well, this will be great. I'll be a change of pace from L.A. where it's so me-focused and money-focused. And our Uber driver was saying, oh, no, I've lived here pretty much my whole life. And he said, it's actually the same, if not worse, than L.A., which I found kind of shocking that it wasn't just a Los Angeles, Angeles thing, that it's more of a Southern California thing, but it all goes back to the capitalist culture that we're in. And I want and comparing ourselves, like you said, to the Joneses is one of the best quotes that I ever heard is there's no power in comparison. If you're looking at your neighbor's car, your neighbor's house, or, you know, somebody, Bob, whatever the person has that you want, you can find that same thing. You don't need it. You need to figure out for yourself what will bring you happiness and joy. Right. And, you know, the older I get and the more I meditate and look at this stuff, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, finding happiness internally and not having it be an external thing because that's only going to bring you limited short-term happiness.
1: I, I agree with you 100%.
0: Yeah, you've given uh, some wonderful tips today, Brian. So any other tips for our listeners as they're moving into 2017 for setting themselves up powerfully aside from what you already suggested, which was brilliant, looking at what's coming in, looking at what's going out, looking at what you need versus what you want? Were there any other pieces of advice you wanted to share with our listeners today?
1: Well, I, I, you know, I really want to keep it simple. And, you know, that's why I've I decided to focus on the, the, the easier things. I mean, if you just try one or two of the things that, that I've suggested um, in this show, I think you'll save some money. It'll be $5 here, $10 there, $20 there. But if you stick with it over time, you'll be like, Hey, wait a second, all my bills are paid and I still have XYZ number of dollars. And
0: money in the savings account.
1: And that's really fun when you can make a deposit into your savings account. Now, I, you know, I've, my father was a saver. So I was, brought, I was born and raised in a saver's household. Um, but, you know, now that I'm 39 and holding, <laughs> I'm glad that I learned those things when I did.
0: It does, because in fact, I'm working with my business coach. And in fact, I look forward to having him on the show probably in about six months. And he's having me do something called a money biography to look at where I learned my money behaviors in the same way that you had a father who saved. We do mimic our parents. And I had a grandfather who would always, I loved my grandfather. He would pay for everything for everyone. He would treat my whole class to Sea world. He wasn't rich. It's just what he did. He liked to make people happy by buying them things. And I think I learned to mimic that behavior. And so, if I'm at dinner and people start getting weird about like, who's paying what I'll just pick up the whole check. And yet that's disempowering both for me and for the other person, because I'm not allowing others to contribute to me. And that's an interesting inquiry that I'll leave our listeners with today is something that I talk about in a talk. Actually, the talk I'm going to be doing in New York is about being empowered and empowering in the workplace. And it comes down to where do we allow others to contribute to us? And where don't we allow others to contribute to us? And honestly, Brian, I probably wouldn't have even been able to have this conversation with you for myself just because of my own money stories, if it were six months or a year ago, until I started to look at this stuff for myself. So I really want our listeners to think about, you know, where do we allow others to contribute to ourselves, to us, or and where are we stopped from contributing to others? Maybe what Brian said today landed with you, and it really resonated because you came from a safer family. Or maybe you're like me, and you came from a family where it's about spend, spend, spend. No matter where you're at, I just ask you to look at Where are you stopped or where are you hindered from being able to contribute or be contributed to? And I think it's a great conversation to engage in, particularly in the early part of the year.
1: And don't blame yourself. Good point. (laughs) Don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. These are all choices that people make. And I think, uh, Jennifer, what we're doing um, is we're just giving them a few more choices.
0: I think that's brilliant. It's a tool. Doesn't belt. cost
1: any money. Um, these are things that you can do in the privacy of your own life. You don't, you, you know, you don't really need to advertise it, yeah, necessarily. Um, cars are another good thing. Uh, 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 an example that I use, and you know, we live in Los Angeles, so everybody's got to have that BMW, Mercedes, you know, whatever. Again, if you cannot afford to pay that car off in two maybe 3 years maximum you can't afford to buy that car it's too expensive and if you think of it like you're taking things away from yourself it's it's almost counterproductive i suggest i'm saving up if there's an I, in fact i just bought a chair <laughs> it's a good story. I've just bought a chair, and I've been looking at this chair online for probably a year. I knew how much it cost, so I started putting money aside, $20, $30, $40. Well, I just bought the chair, and I paid cash. took me a year. Is it something I want? Well, yeah, but through this past year, you know, I've purged some of my older furniture out of my house so now i have this empty space in my living room for this chair
0: and i just wrote a check and i bought the chair
1: but it took me a year to do it
0: because you made sure that it was something that you could afford rather than just putting it on your credit card for the sake of putting it on your credit card
1: right i don't have an apple iphone 7 or 8 or whatever the number is
0: (laughs) 12 who knows
1: You know, I don't need to be the first person to have all this technology and spend all this money. I can get the same darn thing if I wait a year and they'll probably give it to me for free. So that's how I choose to do things.
0: Well, Brian, you've given our listeners a lot of insights, a lot of things to think about going forward and managing the business of our lives in 2017 and beyond. So you are also available if people want to hire you. If somebody did want to look into your services, where would they find information about you?
1: Um, I am available. I'm based in Los Angeles. My website is briandarling dot com or you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's where we met. Yeah, we met I think on it was. Yeah. It was
0: on LinkedIn. And I love LinkedIn because I've gotten to meet with some extraordinary people, including yourself. And I really want to acknowledge you, Brian, because I got so much. That's the thing I love about hosting the show is I learned so much from my extraordinary guests like you. And I feel like I actually will, you know, put some of the tips that you just gave our listeners into effect. I think it'll make me more successful in business and help me manage the business of my own company as well as myself. So I'm really Oh, that, just, that
1: makes me happy. <laughs> that makes me happy when people say that. Hi. Because I really just want people to succeed. I want them to achieve whatever their financial goal is. Um, you know, I want to live in Costa Rica. I want to retire in Costa Rica. So I've been down there several times. I know how much money I'm going to need on a on a daily and monthly basis to survive at the level you know to live at the level that I want, and I'm I'm working towards that goal. It's not an immediate thing,
0: but that's great. And again, it's long term planning as opposed to just reactively living in the moment for immediate gratification. And so, oh
1: yeah, we could go on for days and days with this conversation. But I think that I think that some of the tips that we've identified uh, on this show are are very good tips. And I think they're going to save your listeners some money.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show today, Brian. And tune in next week. I have a couple of exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks. Pam Jackson is actually the last story in my book, Stop Hoping, Start Hunting. And we talk about, in the book, she looks at herself in the mirror and realizes that's not who she really is and goes on to lose over 100 pounds and keep it off for three years and motivate and inspire others to, to do the same. Now, while my show is not about weight loss, it's about owning your greatness and being happy and fulfilled and finding contentment in all you do. And so we're going to talk about some of the principles that Pam has applied in her life to those of you out there job hunting who might be finding discontentment or a uh, lack of fulfillment in your livelihood. And then I'm also very excited again, the last Monday of the month, I'm having Liz Ryan, one of the, actually the top HR and uh, career expert in the world. She's going to be talking about her new book with me and that'll be on January 30th. So if you ever miss any of our shows, you can always find them on iTunes at get yourself the job. You can subscribe for free on iTunes and download the, download the shows and listen to them at your leisure. Or you can always go to LA talk radio where get yourself the job is hosted and find the archive of the show and download the show there as well so thank you as always everybody for tuning in and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your week
1: you're listening to get yourself the job with jennifer hill only on la talk radio